truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. 888-900-3393 if you'd like to join us too. 888-900-3393. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also... Um, Give us a five-star review, please. I, I wanted to pause for effect because we, we just, we're very needy around here and we need even more of those. And the more of those we get, the more people like you, the algorithms help us to find. And then the more likely we are to continue to do this for a living, because I think it's pretty abundantly clear now from uh, those of you that uh, subject yourselves to this program on a regular basis. There's no plan B here. We, we There's, I mean, Aaron makes in tables, but no one would buy them. He's not that good at it. Um, but and and Todd and I really aren't that good at literally anything else. So it's it's this or nothing. Don't put our kids out on the street, please. The holidays are nigh. All right. So keep giving us those five star reviews, and uh, we appreciate all of you that have done that for us already. Jam packed show here today on a Wednesday. If you're wondering where's our weekly profit of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz is going to actually join us tomorrow. Uh, on the program, we are going to talk to a good friend of mine, Ryan Morrow, uh, who just led the first openly Christian tour of Saudi Arabia. How did he pull that off and what did he see? Plus, Ryan knows a thing or two about radical Islam and foreign policy. So we'll talk to him about that here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour is all buy, sell, or hold, so it'll be a ton of fun as we uh, find out what it is you want Todd and I to comment and predict. But before we get to all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by strangulation. Famous pathologist Michael Bodden was able to examine the body of former financier and alleged sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein and came to this conclusion. Well, I was asked by the brother, the next of kin, to be at the autopsy. Mm -hmm. And at the autopsy on day one, there were findings that were unusual for suicidal hanging and more consistent with uh, ligature homicidal strangulation, which included... And, and it was suggested at the time that he committed suicide by doing what? By, by hanging. Uh, at the time, he was found allegedly hanging by uh, a uh, homemade ligature of sheets. Are you saying you don't think it was suicide? I think that the evidence points toward homicide rather than suicide. Why? Because there are multiple three fractures in the hyoid bone, the thyroid cartilage, that are very unusual for suicide and more uh, uh, indicative of strangulation. Epstein was found allegedly hanging in his prison cell on August 10th and was later declared dead. The death was ruled a suicide by the New York medical examiner a few days later. A new CNN poll of New Hampshire finds Bernie Sanders leading the pack with 21% of the vote, followed by Elizabeth Warren with 18%. Joe Biden is in third, according to the poll, with 15%. Speaking of Bernie Sanders, he says if he's elected president, he'll engage in a quid pro quo with Israel. And my solution is to say to Israel is you got $3.8 billion every single year. All right, if you want military aid... You're going to have to fundamentally change your relationship to the people of Gaza. 
Barack Obama said something pretty surprising to a group of young people. This, this idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff, I, you should get over that quickly. The world, the world is messy. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws, but I do get a sense sometimes now among certain young people, and this is accelerated by social media, there is this sense sometimes of the way of me making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people. And that's enough. Like if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then... I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself. If, if all you're doing is casting stones, uh, you know, you're, you're probably not going to get that far. Lindsey Graham is insisting that the Senate stands behind Donald Trump. Yeah, well, it's even deeper. You have to accept that President Trump is president. That's the problem. They don't accept that President ah. Trump won the election. And America hates a sore loser as much as any country on the planet. This is an unfair process being driven by sore losers, and there's not one vote in the United States Senate to impeach President Trump based on this phone call because he did nothing wrong. Wired Science published a glowing review of dudes who feel pretty dominating women's athletics. The piece is called Trans Athletes Are Posting Victories and Shaking Up Sports. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is score another for the patriarchy. Marca otro para el patriarcado. A report out of Minnesota by the Child Protection League Action claims a drag queen exposed himself to children during a drag queen story hour at the Hennepin County Public Library. Washington Post headline, Why America Needs a Hate Speech Law. The NCAA took its first step towards allowing athletes to profit off their image and likeness. The organization, which oversees most of college athletics, had previously been stiff in its opposition to athletes being able to profit in this way. And finally, President Trump and the First Lady were passing out candy to trick-or-treaters the other day. And as you can see from the video, President Trump doesn't really know what to do when faced with a real-life minion. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Keeps who know that it sucks uh, losing your hair. Uh, but what you may not know is that the cause of your hair loss could be a hormone called DHT. The, FB, the FDA has approved two hair treatment products that help control your DHT in order to prevent hair loss. It's even triggered hair regrowth in a good percentage of guys as well. And up until now, these products were very expensive and required a doctor visit, but not anymore. Keeps offers the generic versions of those two FDA-approved hair care products. So not only are they up to 90% effective, but they're totally affordable and there's a great deal we can get you right now if you want to answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will, re will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you, and it's shipped discreetly to your door, and you can get that doctor consult for free right now, as well as 50% off of your first order. 50% off your first order if you go to keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow. Get 50% off your first order right now, as well as a free doctor consult at keeps.com slash grow. For the overtime today, we're going to discuss the NCA uh, agreeing to the inevitable. This is, uh, this is the political version of getting out of town before the posse arrives. All right. 
uh, this is going to go down. It's just a matter of uh, with, with, you know, student athletes and their name, image and likeness. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of what the initial foray will look like. We're going to discuss it with some detail today in the overtime because I, I continue to see misunderstandings of the law, free market economics, etc. And the solution here is actually quite simple. And then I'm going to lay that out. And then Todd and Aaron, you guys are going to give me the uh, the sort of the, the cross-examination talking points as to why it can't be that simple. Sound good? Yeah. All right, because I think it's a necessary, um, it's a, it's a necessary lesson in capitalism and free market economics. So we're going to do that later today uh, in, the, uh, in the overtime. And by the way, speaking of free market economics, if you're advising the president and you saw today's economic growth report, 1.9% is a very Obama-like sluggish quarter of growth. And it's a little bit higher than it was forecasted. It was the, the forecast was actually 1.6 for, for this quarter, it's, but it's 1.9. That's a 40% decline of, of economic growth from what we saw at the start of the year when it was well over 3%. That's not a good trend line, especially with an election next year. Okay, so... Um, start thinking about your tariff taxes and those other things you're doing that have seen in the span of one year, less than a year, because we still have a quarter to go here. We've seen a 40% decline in the rate of economic growth here this year. That's running for reelection next year and you have a 43% approval rating. That's not the trend line you're looking for. Hell, if you've got a 53% approval rating, that's not the trend line you're looking for. All right. Let's get to elsewhere in Aaron's montage. Um, if you thought Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide, you're too dumb to live. I, I don't, I don't, I, I'll take least surprising news ever for a thousand dollars, Alex. I, I mean, I, I did, 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 does anybody, did, was there, is there really a live being that believed this? Well, probably because. They just they're deluded about uh, delusional about the true state of human depravity. But there's a reason why I think this is really. I, I mean, I you know we agreed on this show how long ago? I mean, I think you came out the, the, the next morning day, after, or, five uh, minutes after the, yeah. the, the the death. Yes, yeah. But I, I, the reason that to the extent people are paying attention and how they pay attention, I, I just don't know anymore. But the reason this is significant is this guy michael Baden. he's he's known by a lot of people so he's got I, crossover pop culture yeah, appeal he's been yeah. around since all the oj stuff and he's since then he's kind of been the go-to guy on news shows he's become popular in true crime crime circles and people kind of love that stuff so if th- it's not just some anonymous guy you've ever heard of. a lot of people have heard of this guy before yep. and there will be street credit if they're paying attention and he and because of the credentials you just described he now gives you permission. Like I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know who he was until thirty minutes before the show started. And you guys told me because I don't follow a lot of that stuff. Okay, but um, I, I didn't need permission from him to just not buy the official state-sponsored explanation on any level whatsoever. All right? I just, I don't believe, I, I don't believe the camera just happened to be broken. I don't believe you. He was able to, without any ability, to hang himself with the popper with the proper angle in order to create the right level of momentum. Okay, could hang himself in the cell 
of a federal of a federal penitentiary, especially given I, I, we did all those shows. I don't believe it. I don't. And you're never going to make me believe it unless I see the actual video in real time, unedited, of him making the 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 device that would lead to his hanging, hanging it up high enough to make it happen, and then doing it solo. Short of that, I believe all of you are lying to me about this. That's an important point you. you just made. It'd be one thing if just the camera didn't work when he actually hung himself. Yes. But while he's crafting... Yes, I want to see him yeah. crafting the yeah. device. Yeah. I want to see him hanging it from the ceiling. I want to see everything. And barring that, you're all lying to me, and I don't believe it. And I don't care how many social media shadow bans I get or what you put in my mentions, okay? Uh, you're a sheeple if you buy this. You're just a complete and total idiot moron, and you're too dumb to live. I don't know what to tell you. You're just too dumb to live. All right. Uh, so find another pursuit, you know, uh, try scratch off tickets uh, for a living. I think those are better odds uh, than your IQ being above 14. Um, but most people don't, you know, are, are hesitant to step outside the, the, the lines like that, you know, uh, because they, they, they are offended by what will someone will put in their mentions and things of that nature. So when you bring to me someone with this level of, of really pop culture appeal is really what we're saying, right? Yeah. So this guy has this kind of street cred here. Now, the amount of people that he has just given permission to, who were probably thinking what everything I just said, but they just didn't, for various reasons, want to or feel comfortable saying it. Well, okay? he's not known as a conservative yeah. a republican he's not he's, some kind of a reactionary right. in this right and and you don't you don't get on all of these true crime shows if you're a conspiracist whose thoughts never come to fruition and things of that nature because that undermines the whole notion of true crime right so and you can even see in his own way of communicating there he understood that he's trying to communicate this in a very measured way because what he's really saying is that either the the new york medical examiner engaged in fraud or is a moron there isn't an in-between answer and since the 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 new york medical examiner is examining an awful lot of dead bodies being that it is new york all right i mean this is this is not you know um uh, some the Joan Benet Ramsey case, some sleepy hollow in in upscale suburban Denver, and this never happens. And the and they and 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 you know they yeah they went to school and were told how to handle cases like this, but in in real time and in real life they'd never seen anything like a case like that. Right? This is the New York medical examiner. He's examined fifty dead bodies by his first smoke break. I'm sorry, unflavored vaping break. Okay, so. You're, what this guy is really saying is the New York medical examiner is either a complete fraud or a fool, and there isn't an in between. And I think he recognizes what the what the ramifications of 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 making this statement is going are, are going to be, and that's why he is trying to say it in the most measured tone possible, because this is either a this is either a conspiracy, or it's a conspiracy. Thoughts. My thought, first thought is a question. Yep. At which point do you start leveraging this story, if at all, politically? And Three how? Three seconds ago. But And how? But Because the how is, you can do this and be a total clown show, too. You can't just throw this out here. You have to leverage it appropriately. But what do you do? And if this, you know, Hillary's not running right now, and she'd be the obvious one. How, how do you use it? You, oh, that's a, here's how I use it. If I'm Donald Trump, first of all, what's the point in having an outlier president? Somebody from outside of the system. 
if they're not going to shine the light and expose clear and obvious scams like this, right? Even if it wasn't political, even even if you couldn't turn it into an individual connection politically, it would be politically advantageous for you if you want to be the populist president to to expose all of this stuff. Number one, but here's an obvious way to do it. So I you know, I, I, you know the the this is the same district in New York that wanted to subpoena my finances. They've investigated me, said that you know all the other stuff, and yeah. and all they came up with was That's- Michael Cohen's a crook. And, and, and they found nothing on me. Then they closed down their investigation after the fake witch hunt Mueller probe. And, and, and why are we shocked that these are the exact same people that don't want to get to the truth of Je- what happened to Jeffrey Epstein at the exact same time? Just, a, just again, the same old po- swamp political machine. That's how you turn it to your advantage. I, t- I totally agree. And that's not even... A long walk. That's not particularly complicated. No, I just I did two plus de- two politically. I just did basic it's, arithmetic. It's definitely more nuanced than Hillary's out there killing people, which is what I worry he'll say. And even though that will be interesting, it won't necessarily be effective. I, I think if, you know, you ought to be, you know, turn off Hannity tonight and get your guy in the White House. Um, you know, instead of just winking and nodding here, we have a real conspiracy here. And it's either a conspiracy of dumb that, that, that these people are just all colossally, systemically, it's dumb simultaneously it's dumb. dumb times dumb times dumb times dumb. I don't believe that. But one or two people could be dumb. All of them dumb? No, I don't. I don't believe that. All right, this is a little bit like the Sanhedrin getting together with Pontius Pilate, trying to figure out, hey, what do we do with that, with, with, with the body gone? What story do we concoct here? Okay. So, but, but that's a, it is a possibility. It's a possibility 14 people were simultaneously dumb all at once. From the from the lowly federal penitentiary security guard all the way up to the New York medical examiner who examines bodies on a regular basis because there's lots of dead bodies in New York. All right. It's possible. We have to. It is possible. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. But it's possible. So but it's either a conspiracy of, of intergalactic levels of simultaneous dumb. Or it's another kind of conspiracy. I don't see how there's a middle ground here. And unless the president himself can be implicated in this, and he has had past associations and quotes on the record about Jeffrey Epstein, but we have no record of him uh, actually visiting Epstein's island. And in fact, all of the investigations that have come up so far have not indicated he's had any dealings with, with on, on, a lev, on that level with any of Epstein's uh, um, victims, shall we call them, okay? So barring that, barring his name in the ledger, I fail to see how he has any political detriment to this. In fact, well, Steve, what if there's some Republicans in there? Are you kidding me? You want some impeachment insurance? <laughs> this be it. You're trying me right. to put on the brakes? I just stepped on the gas. Yes, you want some impeachment insurance. This, this is the best impeachment insurance you could ever buy. All right, you can't get this at Geico, folks. All right, and this one just fell right in your lap, and it's Fox and Friends, so you know the president was watching that this morning. Yeah, I, I mean, if if he doesn't exploit this, then everything that I thought all along about this about using a lot of the language and stuff that I've used on this program and people like me have used for years to your political advantage while not acting on it, and then you'll know you're being conned because he has every political, unless his name's in there. 
you know, and, and believe me, don't you think of his name, if, if they could have, if they, if, if folks, let's go with total depravity here, okay? The same media, if, if they had anything besides one quote from 2002, that they could, they could connect Donald Trump to the fiend in, rotting in hell as we speak, Jeffrey Epstein. Don't you think we would have had it by now? Oh, and they would gladly sell yeah. out all manner yes. of souls on the yes. left included, including yes. Hillary, to get that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Don't you think they could have, they would have just made it up by now if they could have, given the, you know, what we've seen made up already. That's why if you are Donald Trump, I fail to see why you have any, any incentive not to rip this thing wide open. Wide open. Particularly with a guy that with that kind of crossover appeal right there, giving you the uh, um, giving you a lot of political cover at the exact same time. Let's go to the New Hampshire poll. The only thing that matters in that poll is is Joe Biden's number. Now, because now you're now you've got him polling third and a distant third in both of the early states, and it goes to what I've been telling you all along. We, we don't, you know, there's another national poll out today. Why? Your, your opinion of the Democratic field, if you live in California, is irrelevant. And your opinion of the Democratic field, if you live in Florida, New York, is irrelevant. We don't have a national primary. We have a state-by-state process. You've already got Joe Biden sending notes out, hey, I'm low on cash. Dude is burning through money. He's got to answer questions that he's not passed as prime. And now he's sitting at third place. And it's not just the third place. Like if it was in the low 20s and they were really close, he's in like the mid-teens in both of these early states now. And did you see him try to explain away on that interview why Obama hasn't endorsed him yet? Did you no, see? I did not see that. He, he said he said he specifically told him to because he wanted to win this on his yeah, own. Yeah, that's he's is he still using that? He tried. He's he ran that out there when he first when he first ran. So is he still going with that talking yes. point now? Nine months later, Ugh. I know. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm just telling you politically, that's dead man walking. All Joe Biden is doing right now is racking up um, commissions uh, and and paychecks for his staff members and media buyers, and I and I don't. And I'm trying to figure out why anybody, there's still like this cadre of conservative media people. Joe Biden's going to be a nominee, none of this matters. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And I'm starting to wonder, do you just have a bunch of never Trump friends and Joe Biden's their guy? And you just don't want to let them down? And because they, that's the guy that they want to be the nominee because that's the one they can justify some level of normalcy with, even though he's removed all the normalcy that he actually launched his candidacy with. I, I don't understand it. I don't. You know, somebody um, whose opinion I greatly respect, he's endorsed my books in the past. Eric Erickson tweeted out yesterday, no one that ever wins Iowa wins the nomination, except everyone that wins Iowa wins the nomination. That's just not true. You know, if you go back, the, every contested Iowa caucus since 1988, the, the, it wasn't contested in 1992 with Bill Clinton because Tom Harkin was running as a favorite son. You're talking son. Democrats, Talking correct? on the Democratic yes, side, yes. yeah. Since 1988 was the last time there was a truly contested Iowa caucus. Did Gephardt won it that year? Close. It was Dick Gephardt, Paul Simon, and Michael Dukakis were the top three. They were all in a few points of each other. But Dick Gephardt won it. That's the last time we had a contested Iowa caucus on the Democratic side that the winner in Iowa was not the Democratic nominee. Al Gore won it in 2000. Democratic nominee. John Kerry won it in 2004. Democratic nominee. 
Barack Obama won it in 2008. Democratic nominee. Hillary Clinton won it in 2016. Democratic nominee. It's been over 30 years. You were in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't have a driver's license yet. The last time we had an Iowa caucus on the Democratic side that the winner was not the nominee. I wasn't, I didn't have a driver's license. I was, in, I was taking driver's ed the last time that happened. I was playing JV basketball the last time that happened. Okay, so I, I, I there's this, so it's, it's weird. It's like the Tulsi Gabbard thing. Although I think probably her run, uh, you know, her um, afternoon delights with conservative media ended yesterday. When she came out and said, hey, there's nothing America first about, uh, you know, uh, being a toady for the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, thoughts and prayers to whoever was trying to book Tulsi Gabbard on conservative shows like this. Good luck to you in the future. Uh, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't understand why, like, all these numbers come up for Biden. And this has been going on for weeks, and they're all bad. And there's, like, the same 10 or 15 conservative media people that are like, irrelevant. He's going to be the nominee irrelevant. I don't. Do you know, the only theory I can come up with is they just must have some never Trump friends that Joe Biden's their guy. And, and, but, but I don't see any data point at all that tells me he is a viable candidate to win the nomination. What? That could change, but that, that data point right now doesn't exist. I think those, this goes back to what I actually said about uh, the, um, the, the killing of uh, Epstein yeah. and why people just can't give themselves permission to think a certain thing, that normalcy must mean this. They're so programmed. I think the same thing is true with those people on the conservative side with Biden. Mm-hmm. And I talk about listening to the crazy voices in your head. They just don't. They can't embrace what is actually happening before them. They need to believe that they can still sooner or later paint by the same numbers they've always painted by. You can't. I've got um, one response to Lindsey Graham going on Fox uh, yesterday and saying the Senate stands behind Donald Trump. All right. Listen to me very carefully. At two, Brute. Don't trust that at all. If you trust that, you think Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide too. And you're also too dumb to live and probably too dumb to vote. All right? As the great prophet Flava Flav once said, can't trust it. Don't. Don't. I don't think you've used that one before. It's, it's, it's been a while. I think I've used it before. But um, yeah, um, Caesar thought that he was safe. That morning outside the Senate, too. I mean, Brutus even brought him his boots. No. no I, think, I think Brutus was on um, Roman Friends the, the previous morning, talking about how he just loves the fact Caesar declared himself to be God, and he saved the city uh, and has a permanent standing army, and they just can't get enough of this. Right? He was on Roman Friends the previous morning. Welcome to Morning on the Tiber. <laughs> Today we discuss. Oh, coming up, your favorite Jupiter Day dishes. But first, Brutus is here to swear allegiance to Caesar again. <laughs> Brutus, good morning. How are you, man? <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. No, no, no. no if, that's, if that's making you think, hey, we're all clear, kid. Let's blow this thing and go home. No, you're, no, no. You're the thermal exhaust port if that's what you think. Okay? Do not, under any conditions, any, trust these people. Et tu, Brute. Just never forget that. All right? Um, if, if it wasn't costing our daughters robbing them of opportunities that they have earned and deserve, 
I, I would be laughing until I, I, I exposed myself like drag queen story time hour, uh, at, at watching these dudes enter these female competitions at elite levels and just freaking dominate totally disproving the f- ultimate feminist talking point that we've all been brainwashed with that women can do whatever a man can do. No, you can't. No, you can't. I mean, we, it, it, because we have got, got a guy who couldn't finish in the top 200 at the NSA track meet last year, go out there and win the women's event this spring. All right. The fact this is, this is, if it wasn't robbing daughters like mine and yours of opportunities, they rightly have earned and deserve. The gobsmacked schadenfreude here. I, I could not resist the temptation. In fact, I'd, be, I'd, I'd buy their swag and wear it. I'd be rooting for them because they're dunking on every feminist argument ever. What's happening is mediocre male athletes are claiming they're women and they're going into these female fields and dominating these women. If that is not, if, if that is not irony of ironies, if, if that's not Dave Chappelle, you played yourself, man, Todd, I don't know what is. I mean, they are, they are, they are crushing every last, every last ideal of egalitarian feminism in the process. Oh, yeah, and they're doing it in the name of science. This was a wired science right. talking. Rem- right. yeah, I, there's a laugh track to this. Yes. It is. There is. Yes. And that's why, if, you know what, if, if we end up losing this argument, I'm going down swinging. I will take some satisfaction in losing this argument and knowing that the cost of this will be watching men prove their superiority in areas where they are clearly made superior to women and watching the feminist have to sit there and be silent and choke on it in the process. If you want to take advantage of plunging mortgage rates and uh, still a, a robust economy, uh, that's that's good, especially right now in the real estate market because we're heading to winter. We've got snow in the forecast uh, here today in uh, the Midwest, in fact. And what that can often mean is you've got uh, buyers and sellers on both ends kind of feeling uh, the pressure from a timing standpoint because no one wants to have to move or move in or move out in the winter if they can avoid it. Great. Take advantage of uh, maybe some competitive prices and some good deals and maybe some some more desperate buyers if you're on the selling end. But make sure you do it, though, with an agent that you can trust. That's why you want to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. Every agent listed there nationwide has been fully vetted uh, with a proven track record of success, with an understanding of what a marketing plan is, entails. And it means more than I'll call you when there's a house in your price range or let's do another open house if you're a seller. And, and really, they strive for professional courtesy, returning messages, trying to lessen the, you know, the propensity to put last minute requests on you that stress you out, those kinds of things. All right. So if you want a real estate agent that you can trust, you want to check out the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Friend of the program, Ryan Morrow returns from the Clarion Project. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Doing very well. It's nice to be talking with you. So I want to I, I want to ask you about an email I received before we get to your unique trip uh, to Saudi Arabia, and I just got this this morning, and and I, that's why I want to ask you about it. Okay, so let me share this with you. This is from a guy named Mike. 
He says, um, on Sunday, our pastor played a sound clip that was sent to him by Dave Eubank, who heads the Free Burma Rangers. Are you familiar with this group? Yes. Okay. Uh, that organization is currently in Syria rendering aid and evacuation to the Kurds as they've been under attack from the Turkish ground and air forces. And so he says there's been no ceasefire. There's only been genocide. And the clip, Dave, explained the situation on the ground, how they were under constant attack via artillery, mortar, ground forces, etc. He gave an account of the wounded, even, ex- even expressing that they had the blood of Kurdish men and, William- and women and children on his clothes from evacuations and first aid that he was rendering from a firefight that morning. Christian Muslim aid workers, foreign nationals, they don't care if you stay in these towns uh, and cities, you are getting killed. Whether they share our view of life of, or of, our view of life or of God, it doesn't matter. They're made in God's image. And these people are suffering contrary to what we're being told right now in the media. I have no idea how true this is, but I know this is what you do every day. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, it's a thousand percent true. I mean, there's pictures and videos coming out just about every hour on Twitter. Uh, There are live tweets from Kurds who are saying, hey, my home was just taken from me. Where do I go? Um, It's really horrendous. But it seems that the news coverage of this issue seems to stop with the so-called ceasefire with Turkey and the Kurds. Um, And I think a lot of people don't have an interest in talking about it. But the fact of the matter is, is that Turkey is still attacking the Kurds, except they're not stupid. So they do it through their proxies that are essentially fronts for their intelligence service. This is the same thing Pakistan does when they kill our soldiers in Afghanistan. Um, If it's too hot and too dicey for a government to attack the United States and its allies directly, they just use a proxy to do it. And that's what Turkey is doing. So in other words, the media really never cared about Syria or the Kurds. This was just all orange man bad. And when there was a presumed ceasefire and they couldn't use this politically against Trump anymore, they just stopped covering it. When in reality, this actually might be the time they can, what you're telling me, this might be the time they ironically could be using it against him because Turkey is really not abiding by the very ceasefire that the White House is, is trumpeting at the moment. One of the sad truths I've come to realize is that media coverage is based Yes, on clicks, but more so political argument. Um, Everything comes from there. So if the media uh, wants to focus on a controversy, especially one against Trump, because he is so controversial, and the media obviously is biased, uh, then if they're focused on the Ukraine or some other issue, then they're going to stick with that. Um, And so now they're just onto another round of controversy. And because this isn't a political issue in the United States, Mm -hmm. they feel like it's not worth covering. And unfortunately, people from the right don't want to talk about this because they risk the wrath of Trump, which is ferocious. And I'll tell you behind the scenes, it is a deterrent for people. Oh, I know that. I just don't care. You know, I I live in Iowa. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm shocked I got this far in this business. And if they shut it down tomorrow, I'll be like, it was a good run. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to move out to Vegas and see if I can make a living sports handicapping. I I mean, but you're right. I, I know. I know that there is a great amount of fear of that. I just, I just, I don't care. Um, so if you were advising the White House here on this situation, because really, I think what you're what I hear you saying is the macro problem here is Erdogan. That's the real issue. All right. Um, and, and he's a systemic problem. If you were and, and this is just the latest manifestation of that, is that is that an accurate reflection of, 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 of your view of the situation? Yes. Okay. So you have Erdogan as the center of the problem, but he's part of the Muslim Brotherhood block with Hamas and Qatar. So if you were advising the White House, what would you tell him here? 
Erdogan is your enemy. I don't know how I could convey that to Trump because he has these late night phone calls with him and, and there's a personal relationship there. There's some level of trust. Uh, but you have to understand, Turkey does support al-Qaeda. Uh, they support the proxies in Syria where ISIS and Baghdadi were finding safe harbor. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not a coincidence. I would say we have to send the message to Turkey that any activity by your proxies is going to be considered an activity by you. And, and we should have had this policy across the board to Pakistan and everywhere else, saying we're not going to distinguish between that uh, since 9-11. I know President Bush said that we wouldn't distinguish between terrorists and those that harbor them, but that never really went into effect. Hmm. You just got back from Saudi Arabia. You led a landmark tour there. Tell us about that. Right. This is really a breakthrough, and I can't believe I got to be part of it. I co-led with my friend Joel Richardson the first ever official Christian tour in Saudi history, where a Christian tour group was actually allowed to come into Saudi Arabia, uh, see the country, and we specifically went to sites that we suspect are connected to Moses and the Exodus, which I released a film on YouTube about. It's called Finding the Mountain of Moses. And it's got over 2 million views. This is separate from the Clarion Project, I must say. Uh, but the bottom line here is, is that the Saudis not only opened it up to Christian tourists, but they let us see these sites that were previously forbidden uh, that we believe are linked to Moses. Uh, so there, there are great things ahead. And our interactions with the Saudi people, the majority of which are young and want change, led me to feel very optimistic coming back from that trip. Were you allowed, were, were they, did they put any restrictions on you identifying as Christian? Did they tell you not to wear crosses, not to bring Bibles? Did they, did they put any restrictions on that, on, on you, on that area at all? There was nothing said. Now, I'm sure it's implied you have to follow Saudi law. Um, but I mean, we're openly talking about our Christianity. We're talking about that to Muslims. We weren't evangelizing, but we were sharing our lives and just, and just talking and, reading verses from the Bible um, on our phones and stuff, and, and there was no problem. Uh, and I've got to tell you, the youth are crying out for change so much that I met a young Saudi woman about uh, 25 years old, and we said to her, if you could have dinner with anyone in the world, who would it be? And her answer was Jordan Peterson. So <laughs> Saudi Arabia is changing. <laughs> That's a sign of change. Yes. Right. <clears throat> First of all, that means she had to have got, they had to have let her online to even find out who he is, right? Because I'm pretty sure yep. Jordan hasn't done a tour of, uh, of Mecca quite yet, okay? Right, right. So, so we talked a little bit about this with another uh, friend of ours of, uh, yesterday, Jordan Schachtel, who was on our show yesterday. And we talked about, we, we touched on this at the very end, but anticipating we might have you on today, that's why I brought it up with him, just to kind of tee this up for the audience. You have spent some considerable time yourself in Saudi Arabia, Ryan. What, what is happening there? There are remarkable changes um, on the geopolitical national security level. There is a march towards peace with Israel that <clears throat> many Arab countries are doing right now. It's just a little bit more subtle. But if you look at the things that they're saying, like the Saudi crown prince essentially verbally saying that he recognizes Israel's right to exist and that the Jews deserve their own homeland. That's a breakthrough that the media doesn't cover. I mean, there's some amazingly positive things happening that are more than just, oh, Israel and the Arabs don't like Iran, so they're getting along. No, it's much deeper than that. Hmm. On the level of society, the majority of the population is, I believe, under the age of 30, or at least very young, um, and very open to modernity, and they want to engage in the outside world. I've had several Saudis say, look, we're hoping that they build churches here, um, just because they want to engage the outside world. 
Uh, so it, it's amazing that we do have the crown prince, MBS, in Saudi Arabia, who has a lot of things to criticize, but at least he's not fully resisting the march towards reform that the young people are demanding. And that, that's a very important trend because we've had been held hostage to the oil-rich Wahhabist clerics for so long. Now, finally, we actually have reason for optimism. So you're describing <clears throat> fundamental internal change, not just, you know, um, geopolitical change. President Trump goes there a couple of years ago, I think gives a phenomenal foreign policy speech that basically yeah. says it's not our job to tell you how to live. If you align with our interest, we're with you. If you don't, we're not. You stay out of our way, we'll stay out of yours. I was all for it. But but this is not merely you're, what you're describing is not merely a reaction to that. You're describing some fundamental internal change, even apart from any influence from in the of, of you know with U.S. foreign policy that that's happening culturally there. So those Wahhabist clerics, I'm guessing they didn't just say, you know, I, I I wonder if Yemen's nicer this time of year. I would imagine many of them are still there. How are they tolerating yeah. this? Well, a lot of the Wahhabist clerics, even though they may oppose what the crown prince is doing, will support him because they have to, uh, because it's, it's an Islamic state still. Uh, and so they don't want to end up in jail. They don't want to lose funding. And so you still have radical Islamic clerics that will support what the Saudi royal family is doing to change the country or at least mute their criticism uh, because they have to. Um, and you do have this new generation rising up that I assume will bring new clerics. Uh, I would not say you know, Saudi Arabia is an ally uh, mm -hmm. in terms of fighting radical Islam, but there's still positive change that's happening there. Uh, and I do not see how the next generation can be stopped from really fully embracing Westernization. Um, I'm not saying what Hollywood does and things like that, not like everyone's going to be out partying, uh, but they are rejecting things like anti-Semitism, anti-Americanism. There's a nuance that is If you've got a market for Jordan Peterson, there's a market for critical thinking. Obviously, exactly, yeah. exactly. So there's a new which Islam, happening. frankly, discourages critical thinking. If we're just going to be honest about that, right? It does. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and the state-controlled media, um, and so you do have people, including Muslims, that are reviewing how they react to things. So here's an example: um, when there's pressure on countries in the region, uh, what would they always do if there were internal protests? They pick a fight with Israel, and then people rally behind the government. Mm -hmm. They keep trying it; it doesn't work anymore. Now you have conversations with people in our world. They may not like Israel, but they don't want to destroy it. They say it's not worth it, and it's stupid to be anti-Semitic, even if they disagree with Israel. So a nuance is gathering, and that's really a big stepping stone towards people coming to a, a rational form of peace instead of just viewing everything in binary terms and saying that the West and Israel is my enemy. We need to destroy them. People are saying, no, there's got to be a better way forward because this hasn't been working. You're describing a, you know, this is this is what perestroika in the Soviet Union looked like <clears throat> in the late 80s with, with Gorbachev, who to, to this day remains a committed communist, by the way. But, but he represented a different generation that, that understood pragmatically we, we cannot spend with the West. We're going to bankrupt ourselves. And if we don't, we don't have some openness now, we won't be able to feed our own people. We'll get overthrown. We'll have another October revolution and we'll be the, the czar, the Romanovs this time. But, but he thought he could find a middle way. And once the door 
to modernity was was opened, once the door to the West was opened, we eventually saw that it toppled the Soviet Union altogether, at least temporarily. Now it kind of maybe looks at, you know, like more of a, a thugocracy than uh, what it looked like before. But that's kind of what you're describing in Saudi Arabia, which means at some point those Wahhabist clerics are going to realize we can't put the genie back in the bottle. So what are they going to do when they when that happens? Some are going to violently revolt. There have been reports of attacks on protesters, especially women who want greater women's rights. Um, but even though the youth of Saudi Arabia want to go a mile and the crown prince is maybe only going a half a mile, they don't want to risk the instability of a revolution or a civil war or anything like that. So incremental progress that leaves people for hope that next year is going to be better than the current year uh, for them is a better option than risking instability that could result in the Muslim Brotherhood or the Wahhabist clerics taking power um, and then losing it all. Uh, and Trump has said uh, that in general, he opposes regime change even to towards Iran, which I disagree with, but his policy is anti-regime change, but pro-incremental change. Uh, I believe that's what he said in Riyadh or at least in front of the UN or some other speech. And I thought that was very important. Um, so it's not a deal where we have to say don't intervene in other countries' affairs at all or intervene heavily in nation build and regime mm -hmm. change and all that. No, we can push things in the right direction and the people will appreciate us for doing that. That's some great stuff, Ryan. One more time, people want to watch your video. We talked to you about this, I think, uh, earlier this year or last year when the video first came out. But the video uh, that uh, you put out about uh, your own archaeological expedition uh, to Saudi Arabia, how can they watch that? They can just type in Finding the Mountain of Moses on YouTube and watch it. And then I'm also uh, going to be leading tours in Saudi Arabia to these places linked to Moses. Uh, it's really a groundbreaking moment, and I hope people will, will join. The next tour is coming up in February. Outstanding. Great stuff, Ryan. Always appreciate Thank your you. work, man. Good to see you again. Take care. Good to see you. You bet. Some thoughts on that conversation, gentlemen. An openly Christian tour <clears throat> of Saudi Arabia with the explicit intent of exploring its sites for apologetic archaeological affirmation of, of, of Christian tradition. How about them apples? I think it's interesting that you referred uh, to the Soviet Union because we are firmly in trust but verify territory here mm -hmm. on this. I mean, if you if you were uh, like this crown prince and genuinely interested in an opening of sorts that you're talking about, this is the thing you would kind of do to do figure things out. Uh, you you may know how what the clerics think, but in terms of where the population is, the the millions mm -hmm. that you can appeal to, you would do this to get a sense uh, of how far you can go and how fast. Um, also, but in terms of the verify thing. You know, this is, if you're nefarious, this is also the kind of thing you do to make this appearance how you are liberal and a man of the West while making wink and nod deals with the Wahhabists on the inside saying, you go do whatever next version of ISIS or, you know, something there is. So the, the, these are, uh, be hopeful, uh, but don't be a fool and be duped into just believing that, uh, Vahala has Agreed. arrived here. But that's why I use that example. See, that's what Gorbachev Agreed. thought he was doing. He thought he, he thought he was doing that. He yeah. thought he was outsmarting us. And I'll, let me take these 
you know, ICBMs off the table. They're the most, some of the most expensive yes, missile yeah, and yeah. defense systems anyway. All right. Get the, maybe the U.S. will dial down some of its defense spending and give us a time to catch our breath and breathe here. We've got the Vatican is mobilizing Catholics in every one of these Eastern Bloc countries against us, like the, 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 uh, solidarity movement with Lequilessa and the, and Pope John Paul's native Poland. All right. They thought, they thought they were calling a timeout. And they were going to be able to kind of do some third half measure. They thought they were going to be able to do that. And then once the, but then once the floodgates opened, once you opened the door, then you couldn't stop. Correct. The you know uh, the 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 inertia at that point. I'm sure that's what the 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 crown prince in Saudi thinks he's doing. History shows that doesn't work. History shows once you open the door to this, you know, um, nature's going to have its way. And that's where I think that this actually comes down to the the. With, with the Wahhabists, we're going to do because they're not going to just sit there and 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 watch you know a Jordan Peterson do a tour of Saudi Arabia. They're 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 not going to do that. At some point, one somebody's going to lash out into an honor killing of some young woman on the internet watching a Jordan Peterson video in her home. All right, and and that will be the test then because when you have that much of your population under the age of thirty, Aaron, mm-hmm. they're good. They eventually they outnumber you, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a, a very, a very good point. And, and you remember in Iran a few years ago, it seemed like, and, and still to this day, but especially a, a few years ago when all those protests were going on, who were the predominantly, um, the ones who were protesting predominantly, it was the young people. So you see that, you see that a lot. I think in this region of the world, as far as a geopolitical uh, stance goes, um, and as far as as far as freedom goes there, the best that you can hope for is that you have leaders or heads of state that are just politicians mm-hmm. and just like a little money, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's the, what talks most of them, politicians are a lot better than zealots in that part of the world. That's the Gene Kirkpatrick doctrine of the Reagan years. It's okay to have a bad person be in charge of these regimes provided that they respond to the right sort of market uh, forces money as Aaron just described. We'll come back hour two is next. Hey, we're back here for hour number two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todders and Aaron McIntyre here with us as well. Buy, sell, or hold coming up here in a few minutes. And that'll take up most of hour number two. Remember the comment the president made the other day talking about Mitt Romney? There aren't any Mitt Romneys in the Democratic Party. but uh, And he's right about that. Um, but, you know, you're not just fighting the left politically. You're fighting them in the media. Uh, you're fighting them uh, within uh, the uh, the so-called uh, deep state. You know the people that think that it's their job uh, to uh, protect uh, the republic from the American people. <laughs> right? um, and and that's why you know these people are very intertwined in corporate America at the exact same time. That's why when you have an opportunity to do business with people who share your values and fight for the same cause as you do, doesn't mean accept a substandard product. But if you get virtually the same product, but with your values reinforced instead, why not take full advantage of that? And that's where Patriot Mobile comes in, the only veteran-led conservative mobile phone company. Uh, and they've got plans starting as low as $25 a month where you can get 
pretty much the exact same coverage you get nationwide from every one of the big boy networks as well. And right now, Patriot Mobile has an incredible limited time offer. Buy one line, get one line free for six months, half a year. Buy one line, get one line free for six months, but you've got to make the switch today. Get reliable 4G LTE nationwide service for as low as $25 a month. And buy one line, get one line free for six months when you make the switch today at patriotmobile.com slash blaze. That's patriotmobile.com slash blaze. So I want to go back to the montage before we go to um, buy, sell, or hold. The commentary from Barack Obama, and I tweeted, I was joking this morning, I tweeted out, WTH, I love Obama now, all right? And he's, he's dunking on being woke and cancel culture and, you know, all the hyper-judgmentalism. Let me, can I translate that for you? Sure. Yeah, Kevin Nealon, simple little man on SNL back in the day style, all right? You guys weren't supposed to turn this on us. Indeed. You're, you You weren't. This wasn't supposed to be a double-edged sword. We were just supposed to call the other guys racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigots in order to win elections, get political power, and then act and govern accordingly. We really didn't mean most of this stuff. It was frankly just a talking point, a means to an end, a device for the acquisition power. You folks, you idiots, took this seriously and thought this was true. And now you're going after the Sarah Silverman, Aziz Ansaris uh, of the world. These are my buddies, my pals. They help get people like me elected. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. You're supposed to be complete and total uh, toadies for the Democratic Party and our partisan interests. Not out there actually saying Bill Clinton can't come out now and talk. Not out there rallying around candidates who are throwing my legacy under the bus. No, that's not how this works. This is merely a partisan series of talking points in order to defeat Republicans and acquire political power. We don't really mean this as a standalone viable belief system and you were too dumb to figure that out. And now look what you're doing. You're ruining everything. That's what I believe that means. That's, that's the closest the Democrats can come to being like a Mitch McConnell. Because Mitch isn't driven by ideology at all. He doesn't care. And, and, he, and Barack Obama is still a creature of ideology. He is still a crusader at heart. But... He also recognizes that you got to live in a world, as he said, of ambiguities. You don't always get perfect solutions to every, every problem. You sometimes have to make difficult alliances to get what you want. You sometimes have to lie to people and tell them, if you like your current plan and your current doctor, you're going to be able to keep it when you're not. All right? And now that you're, he's watched a full year of Democratic presidential politics dunk on him and his legacy on a repeated basis, throw him under the bus. And now some of his own friends over there in Hollywood and in pop culture are being targeted by the very postmodern forces people like Barack Obama unleashed in order to, to, to gain political advantage. And 
he thought that if he let if he let the locust out, they would just stay on one side of the crop. That they eventually would not make their way over to the other side. And he enjoyed it and was fond of watching it. He even would egg them on, unleash it when it was convenient for him politically. Yes, consume, yes, yes, consume it all. It's all yours. They're racist anyway. Yes, of course. Then when they got done with that crop, the locusts weren't like, you know what, we're full. Thank you, Barack. The locusts said, I don't know. There's some crops over there. Thanos is going to come over and snap on our side? Yeah. You, what? You got some Bill Cosby's over there and some Harvey Weinstein's over there and some, some Bill Clinton's over there and some, uh, some, some Amy Schumer's and, and Sarah Silverman's over there. I don't know. You got some people that uh, you know, they, they might need to get woke too. They, they might need to be reeducated as well. Not to mention that I, I, I forget to tell you, we're still hungry. And now they can't control this. It's the exact same conversation we just had about Saudi Arabia. The Shaikhams are the only tyrannical regime in human history that has figured out a way to give its people access to modernity while maintaining oppressive control. But the, way they, the reason they cracked the code is, while they are a religious government, because all governments are theocracies, folks. They all are. It's just a matter of who Theo is. Every government either claims to be the ultimate power or to represent the ultimate power meaning God, every government has. And every government always will. Ours does the same thing. It just says, well, in its founding vision, that your, your power comes from God. That's where your rights come from. And in the new vision, it claims there is no God and the state is God. And that's how the Shaikhams have done it. Now, the Shaikhams aren't so much concerned, you know, about discovering 15-year-old girls and from, that kidnapped in Florida were, having, were, were getting raped by bald dudes on Pornhub. They don't really care about that. They don't care. You know, they're, not, they're not religious in, in that there's a moral ethic that, that goes along with their creed that they want to uphold at all costs. Their religion is statism. And as long as, you know, if giving you access to American porn where we just blur out the male genitalia, if, that's, if, that, if that keeps our power cool, but we'll, we'll give you all the modernity you want, provided you don't use it to question our authority. And Robert Downey Jr. will come here and, and, and host the next opening of the new uh, Avengers movie, and everybody's great. But the problem with doing that in the Islamic world is they do have a, a moral ethic that is a pronounced fundamental value in the oppressive religion that they're trying to pin their people down with. And so letting them have any access to modernity is a risk, which is why they don't. And so the, the, the line of history outside of China, modern China, has shown if you give people access to the outside world, once you open that, once you open that portal, you can't close it. You can't open it a little bit. You can't open it halfway, partway. It's either open or it's closed. And that's what the likes of Barack Obama are learning right now. The, the legion that they unleashed on people like us are now going after people like them. You're not good enough. 
What, Ellen's got a, Ellen's friends with George W. Bush? Burn the witch! And Barack Obama's like, hey, man, we made Ellen a, a cool lesbian for a reason, so that she could get on daytime television everywhere in middle America and, and show that, uh, you know, gay marriage is great, non-threatening. You should want to bake the cake. You should, you should internally feel like you're a bigot if you don't bake the cake for Ellen. Because isn't she nice? Isn't she cool? Hip? I mean, y'all you wouldn't be here without, without what we did with Ellen. And now you guys are, you guys are knifing her? Because she sat next to George W. Bush at a Dallas Cowboy game once. Yes, they are, Brock. Good luck with your effort here. I, it won't be, I just want to warn you ahead of time. It's not going to be successful. But I'm going to enjoy watching you try it nonetheless. Yeah. All right. it's, I pr- if there's one thing I've said this show other than Jeffrey Epstein kill, did not kill himself. The, the, the second thing I'm the most certain about is Barack Obama's efforts to Mitch McConnell, these people, are not going to be successful. But it's going to be damn fun, Todd, to watch him try it nonetheless. Yeah, I'd just like to quote the prophet Nelson from The Simpsons on this. Ha ha! <laughs> nice. Well played. Let's get to buy, sell, hold. This is where Aaron, with a little help from his friends, you in the audience, each week comes up with a series of propositions, predictions, projections. Todd from uh, Todd and I are then asked, could be on, on a multitude of topics. Uh, are we going to buy that? Or are we going to sell it? If you're lucky, you know, we might give you a good reason why. Or in my case, I might only give you a good reason why, as opposed to fourteen. All right, uh, and then once per show, if 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 we think that it's just too lame for us to comment, we are permitted to hold. But if we do it for any reason other than that, that is punking out, and you will be uh, cruel and unusually punished here, according to the Duke Code, for doing so on the show. Aaron, go ahead. All right, a few from myself first. A third-party candidate will get more than 4.5% of the popular vote in 2020. Sell. I don't, I, don't see, I don't see who that would be. Um, and I don't think they have to get that much to have an impact on the outcome. I mean, Ralph Nader didn't have that, and... We have irrefutable evidence that he had an impact on the outcome in 2000. Okay. So he didn't get that. Um, so I'm going to sell. And because it, 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 the amount of time and effort, you've got to be sowing the seeds for that right now. You've got to be working to get access on, a, on the ballot right now. And I don't see, I don't see who, is, who is doing that, capable of doing that. Because not, I don't see anybody putting in the legwork right now. I have a strong desire to disagree, but on, and I reserve the right to change my opinion on this. As do I. Yeah. But I have to go with Steve at the moment. Yeah, you're asking me this question on October yeah, 30th. Correct. Ask me again on February 27th next year, and maybe someone has caught fire. There's been some kind of viral moment. They've, they've done something that we didn't foresee right this minute. I know there's this notion that, well, Trump, if Trump gets removed from office, he'll just turn around and run. I promise you that won't happen. Not saying he won't try, but, there's, but they will have, there'll be 14 federal judges that'll put an injunction against him being on the ballot in three seconds, or being on the ballot in three seconds, I should say. He'll face a highly expensive court battle 
just to get into the court battle to be on the ballot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then he's got to win the court battle to get on the ballot after he, that, that's, that's presupposing he wins the court battle that he would even be eligible to run. All right. So I don't, I don't foresee that scenario, but maybe somebody could do it. I don't know. But, but if you're thinking about it and know the guy that runs Dick's Sporting Goods is not going to be the person we're talking about. But if you're thinking about doing it out there, you got you to be putting the machinations down right now. All right, uh, number two, if J.J. Abrams is really becoming the Kevin Feige of the DC Extended Universe, the the saga of films that comes out of that will be better than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, sell. Yeah, I'm I'm, going to sell just because I think the the bar is really high. The bar couldn't be higher. Yeah, because I mean, I'm, I'm starting at what I think are if I had to rank all the MCU films, you know, like Thor, the dark world, Ant-Man two would be towards the, the bottom of my list. But I don't think that those were stinker movies either. I just think they weren't as good as the ones that, you know, that we've seen before and after. Um, plus I think that w- the announcement that we got yesterday from variety of, of HBO max and that we're going to see, um, a lot of these DC characters and put into long form series, like one of the ones that came out yesterday was the was Green Lantern, for example. Hmm. That that I think, like Kevin Feige has now been moved into, he's going to run all of Marvel Entertainment because he's overseeing the TV series for Disney Plus Two and not just the cinematic universe. I think with I think since this is taking on multiple forms now with the introductions of these bundles and these um, these online on demand digital products, that it, it could be how we view fanboy movies is a little bit like talk radio now. Yes, you're always going to have the the major motion picture tentpole standards, but you know, you can do things in a series with a character like Green Lantern over the course of 9 or 10 episodes that I might think might be hard to pull off in an hour and 55 minutes in in a one-time shot because if I don't nail it in that one-time shot, you won't I can't make a sequel, right? Um, when maybe I've got a little bit more leeway, similar to, you know, I've got a three hour radio show or do I do a a 45 minute podcast? And I think podcasting is coming to the fanboy world, if you will, with episodic television, with Disney plus HBO max, et cetera. I also think, and you've riffed on this in the past about the differences in the universes, but as hard as it was going to be for Marvel to do what it did, it was still easier to the extent that they went with the kind of like uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica did Mm -hmm. uh, common everyday geopolitical themes in that universe and they did it really really well whereas over there in DC you've got I mean deep cosmological existential you know the nature of god and that was zack snyder's kinda, vision yeah, now whether yeah. they stick with that well, or not who knows and yeah. they did it really well sometimes but in the last movie uh the the one that drives you nuts and i understand why as a fanboy but the justice league movie yes. which i yeah I, I didn't think it was great but i i could be entertained with it in a way that i i did not have all the weight on my shoulders of going in as a viewer that you did but one of the problems that there when you have that level of existential weight your ramp up to the bad guy, whoever it is, must be different. And I thought that the bad guy, the, it was kind of pedestrian, that whole thing. It's so you, because they abandoned, they abandoned Zack Snyder's vision midway you know, through the making of the film. And then they, um, because he was leading towards what you talked about. 
And we don't really know the answer. Was was he making a terrible movie and Warner Brothers panicked? Um, was there an internal strife going on there? And we'll probably never know the answer because everybody involved is gone. Zack Snyder's out now. The guy who was running Warner Brothers at the time got Me Too'd. He's gone. Okay. So you have a whole new team coming in and now in charge. We're never going to know. But he was attempting to do that. Okay. This, this, this film was... Um, the, the original story was this was going to set the stage for dark side. Okay. Which they had been setting the stage since Batman versus Superman. When, you know, when, when you saw his, uh, his minions, those insect looking like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, creatures in the nightmare scene. Right. Okay. They were setting the the stage for this. And then when they didn't think that for whatever reason, they didn't go all, they, they changed the way they made the movie in the middle you know, that's where you kind of got this villain who was never expected to be the main villain, but was supposed to be the guy that was kind of the errand boy setting the stage for the main villain. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. Final one. Uh, the Yankees will win next year's World Series. Uh, sell. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sell just based on the odds. It's also way too early. Uh, way too early to indicate that. I, I was really surprised that the, the Yankees did not try to make a deal or for even a Zach Greinke, you know, I mean, he, to me, he may not be the pitcher he was three or four years ago, Todd, but I, I, I mean, if I was in a decisive elimination game, I would still trot him out over oh, yeah. every pitcher, the starting pitcher, the Yankees have, you know? So I, I was surprised they at least did not try to make, and he was, he's the Astros number three starter. I, I was surprised they didn't try to make a deal for at least one guy that they thought when we have an elimination game, you know, we can count on him for two quality starts in a short series. They never made that move in the offseason. They never made that move in the at the trade deadline. So um, I can imagine them making maybe that kind of a move this offseason, but I got I, I want to see them do it first. Yeah, uh, definitely in baseball, always take the field. Uh, in, I mean, they, it's just a different sport in that respect. Uh, you, I, I can't think of a single team. Uh, I know a lot of people did it three years ago with the Cubs. That that ultimately came to fruition, but there was a sense of just like hundred years of fate on that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it, there's just a Yankees arrogance too. Yeah, they can buy anybody, but you could you saw that a couple times in Aaron Boone and how he would he just lost his mind a couple times during the season on arguing balls and strikes. I just think they thought they were the Bronx Bombers and we're gonna hit uh, out hit you. And uh, the postseason works a little differently. All right, let's get to listener submissions. John Hensley says, Steve will not attempt to use the words around, end, and wrap in the same sentence ever again. <laughs> is this a reference to yes, it is. Uh, attempting to talk about uh, Mayor Pete? Is that what this is a reference yep. to? Yep. Sell. <sighs> yep, sell. So. So sell. He, uh, he, he will try to solve the Kobayashi Maru. That's how he rolls. And, and the way I may sell it, I just may have to go complete passive-aggressive, meaning I, I may just have to not to limit talking about them i i just uh, yeah let's just move on i'm already i'm uncomfortable again i was waiting i was waiting yeah. john endicott says everybody loves raymond is a top five sitcom of all time and the humor holds up better than seinfeld i i would actually buy that uh, i'm gonna sell i thought it was a good show i never was like an every week devotee had to watch it i, I mean you know if you top five all time like i love lucy yeah i mean uh no uh, it, it was a really good show. I don't even think it was as good as Home Improvement, frankly. You know, but I thought it was a good show. I will sell. It's a it's a really good show. 
watched it all the time with my wife raising all of our little kids when we finally got to sit down and you know do something that mm-hmm. wasn't changing a diaper it, it's a great show we top five too high a bar top 10 we could have a different yeah, discussion yeah, I'd go with that yeah but and, i mean is it, is it there does it belong in the same class as cheers does it belong in the same class no, as Seinfeld? Well, that's Does it belong in the, in, in the same class as I Love Lucy, which is kind of the George Washington of this genre, right? And the answer is no. And while it did, it did a genre that there's a precedent for as well as just about any did, but Seinfeld was, it was truly unique. It did something different. So that's what also pushes Seinfeld the Cosby over show, the top. Uh, family Ties. I don't think it's better than those shows. Do you? We should do a we should do a ranking list of or a, a ranking of those shows. Frasier is it better than Frasier? I don't think it's better than Frasier. Do you think it's better than Frasier? I don't I've think only it's better seen than like Frasier. Two episodes of Frasier. Yeah, that's probably age group difference. Okay, yeah, is here is it better than Home Improvement? I don't think it's better than Home Improvement. Is it better than the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Is it better than that? I think it's argument that the um, uh, the mom who uh, we all love from pro life circles. Um, yep. her name is her, Patricia Heaton. Patricia Heaton. Patricia Heaton. Her, her, yes. her now defunct sec and it went for like eight seasons as well. The middle is arguably better than everybody loves Raymond. Our family loved that one uh, as well. It's just fantastic. Happy so, days is it better than Happy Days? No, it's not better than Happy so Days. So I think, but it's it's a great show. Okay, it, better so than Mash. So no, well, age. no. Hey, yeah, you, I no, think Mash is better than everybody yeah, loves yeah. Raymond. Better than the original Roseanne. It's not better than the original Roseanne. See, this is why if we had a top ten, we could at least, top yeah. five instantly almost made it impossible. Okay. Right. We'll make that happen next okay. week. I didn't even mention like the Simpsons and stuff like that. Okay. That that's not a sitcom. Okay, All right. it, it, they, it's it, they put it in that genre, but okay, I'm, I get what you're saying because it's not live action. I get that. Okay. Uh, Jeremy from Ooh says, while it will not draw better viewer ratings than the NFL, the XFL will find favor with sports betting with more consistent rules and officiating. I uh, agree with that. I think, um, I, I, so I'll buy. I think the, the problem that the other league had, I can't remember what it was called, the, Alli- the Alliance of American Football, right? AF, AF. Yeah. The problem that league had is they tried to throw this thing together to head Vince McMahon off at the pass. And so they tried to get out in front of Vince McMahon and they didn't have their funding and everything else ready to go. And, and they knew that Vince McMahon was going to go big. And so they tried to, you know, let's go hire Steve Spurrier, Rick Neuheisel and all these coaches that are all retired, but they're also not doing this for, you know, coaching minimum wage at the exact same time. All right. And so the NFL, uh, the NFL, uh, and it wasn't directly the NFL, but it was people aligned closely with the NFL, attempted to throw this league together to try to occupy this space before Vince McMahon could get into it. And they just didn't, it was just too sloppy and it it imploded on itself. And that's why that league failed. And I think the XFL is taking its time and doing it the right way and and will occupy that space. I think it will be successful. Really impressed with how well planned out this is so far. It's, I mean, they're just, they're doing the details. It seems like, right. You know, you have announcement, you kind of have tent pole announcements as you get closer to the season that people are interested in the, the team names. That was a couple months ago. Uh, the, you know, the, the draft and yep. then the schedule was released. It wasn't all thrown together. It was, you know, it's keeping, keeping this on the top of fans' minds. I will actually throw this ca- caveat in there as well. I've gone on StubHub just for kicks and giggles a few times. The first few gig, uh, home games for XFL teams, it's hard to find a ticket in some places. So they must be doing some good marketing in their home venues. And aren't amongst those details, if 
like patriotism is going to be done yep. differently and is an instant replay also going to be done different though on all those fronts that he, I, I buy the spirit of this thing because that's what i i can't really at least in the near term imagine myself watching too much uh i'll I, this will put kind of i'll be like the guy who heard from other people like i've been watching the show you need to watch it and then i but i really want them to get the things right that we complain about all they're like can't you just it's not that complicated i would be thrilled if on any of these fronts they just laid waste uh in terms of the the belief that we I, it's just complicated. There's a lot of moving parts. All the ridiculous massaging we get from these sports bureaucrats, I, I hope they nail it on those fronts. The thing I still don't understand, and, and I've got to believe Vince McMahon is arguably the greatest American marketer since P.T. Barnum. You could make that argument. Okay? So I have to assume, I, I assume I know more about football than Vince McMahon does. Okay? But I, I have to assume he knows a hell of a lot more about marketing than I do. I have to. And so they, they must have real data that shows them the time to start these spring leagues is right after the Super Bowl. Because I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm your target demo for something like this. I, I represent it. Yeah, one of the first things I tweet every year after the Super Bowl is, man, how many days until football season? Again, right? But you know what? You, you go right into college basketball and March Madness. And as much as, as much as to me, it, f- it, football is here and everything else is beneath it, there is no event, and I would argue next to the Super Bowl, it is the most popular domestic sporting event in America is the NCAA tournament. In fact, the two most wagered upon days in sports betting in America are Super Bowl Sunday and then the first opening two days, that first Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament. That's the second biggest tourist weekend in Vegas next to Super Bowl weekend. I don't understand why you wouldn't let desire for football to return to come back, particularly in the era in ba- of baseball we're in right now. We're f- we know right now what's going to happen is four or five team, three to five teams are going to win 100 games next year. And we know who probably half of those teams are at least. And we know three to five teams are going to lose 100 games because there's no middle class in baseball anymore. Everybody's either trying to win right now or tanking to follow the Houston Astro blueprint. That's what the Royals are doing. My Tigers are doing. That's what lots of teams are doing right now. So there's, 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 a, there's a lot of cities that are major sports markets that, know, that are going to know by Easter that their baseball team is out of it and not competing. I mean, Tigers, the, the, the Tiger organization is literally telling us we're not trying to compete until 2021. We're not even trying until then. They're just saying that out loud. You know, you, you, once the NCAA tournament is done, other, unless your baseball team is good, it is a sports wasteland, except for that's why golf made the smart move of taking the PGA Championship out of August and putting it in May, so that it's got one of these weekends that it owns. Every, I, this is the first time I actually watched the whole PGA Championship in my life, because normally when it gets to August, I don't care. I'm in football mode, but I never miss the Masters. I never miss the U.S. Open. I never miss the British Open. I watched all four of the majors this year because they were. It was literally the only appointment sports television for me with my baseball team sucking that I had to watch all spring or summer long. I don't understand not filling that niche. Why you wouldn't start this the week, the, the, in fact, I'd start it the Sunday before, after the final four. 
where you have the Saturdays, the semifinals, and Mondays, the championship game. My first weekend would be that Sunday. You've got all those people in Vegas already for the final four, right? I do it that Sunday, and I try to own April, May, and June. The only thing I can think of is maybe you're worried you won't get as good of players because they'll feel like I, I don't have enough time to, if I get noticed and I shine, I can't get to the NFL because I don't get it. But to me, that's when the window is available to truly cash in on something like this when there's no other real competition. But I got to assume Mitch McNair knows more than me. We'll come back with more in a moment. So you've been making some good progress, but now the holidays are here and you're like, man, I, I don't know about that willpower thing. Don't, don't do the willpower thing, all right? Because unless you've got a food allergy, if you do, then you, know, you need to get professional medical help for that. But if you don't, then it's not what you're eating, but how much you're eating, all right? So how do you control your portion sizes, your cravings, particularly this time of year when it's the best, time of, the best food time of the year right now? Uh, that's where Riduzone comes in. There's a molecule in your body called OEA, that helps the uh, the brain uh, learn from the belly when it when you're full down there, but sometimes it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Sometimes because we just ignored it for so long, uh, you know, we just bypass it. Whatever the case may be, Riduzone can help you with that. All right, with, that's because all it is is OEA. That's why it's vegan friendly, gluten free, FDA accepted. It's not loaded with fillers, chemicals, stimulants, none of that stuff. All right, it's an excellent weight loss product because it helps you get your portion sizes and cravings under control. Probably this time of year would be a great asset as well when it comes to maintenance control, maintaining the progress you've made as well. If you want to give Riduzone a shot, they'll give you a three-month supply right now at 30% off if you use my name, Steve, as the promo code. All right, promo code Steve at Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U. Z-O-N-E to get that 30% off uh, offer right now. Promo code Steve at Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. This is the time of year that uh, there's too much good stuff. I'm going to eat, I'm, but I'm going I'm to be using my Riduzone uh, this time of year as well because um, there's so much good stuff out there. I know I can't say no to it, but uh, I also want to be able to say enough to it at the exact same time. All right. Riduzone.com. Promo code Steve. Aaron, let's get back to buy, sell, or hold. Moving on to Caleb Fields, who says Aaron will be required to break up a fight between Steve and Todd after the show when the rise of Skywalker is discussed. Mm, sell. I'm going to sell. You can go first if you want. I think good. even if we disagree, and I, don't, I, I just don't know how likely that is anymore. We couldn't have guessed we would disagree as much as we did about the rise of Skywalker. So... Uh, but yeah, even, I was shocked at your reaction yeah. that night. And I was shocked at yours. Theaters. We yes. looked at each other like yeah, I was totally Spider-Man's at pointing yeah. at each other. I know. But um, even if we disagree, I think there's going to be a finality to that as well as a melancholy about disagreeing and uh, not being able to share. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll have some fun. It'll be fun disagreeing like it is fun disagreeing about sports mm-hmm. too, which is why like that's, I mean, a lot of people don't understand either if you're too woke or a lot of times if you're a girl, like men can and enjoy screaming at each other about sports disagreements. Yes. And then it's like, whatever, dude. Yeah. So I, I don't think so. I, I'm going to sell too because I'm also very confident that the movie will be enjoyable. I mean, 
Think of a time J.J. Abram has made something that wasn't enjoyable. I think of a movie like 8mm. I was very high on that film when it came out um, and went and saw it. And it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, but it was enjoyable. Like, I can't think of anything he's ever made that wasn't enjoyable. It doesn't mean it's always good or perfect. I don't think The Force Awakens is is uh, is a flawless film by any stretch of the imagination. But you enjoyed the you you enjoy the experience every time you sit through it, though, at the exact same time. Right? Especially, well, especially that first time. The more I thought about The Force Awakened and pondered certain things, but he got because of what you've talked about, he got it felt yeah. like a Star Wars film yep. at first, and that's. Which is why we sit here as 46 and 47-year-old men talking about it because that's in us more than any – that feeling of Star Wars is in us. Yeah, I just – so I'm, I'm highly confident based on his track record, including in this series, he is going to make a film that is enjoyable. And that, that doesn't mean we won't have any complaints or laments, but if, I'm guessing if those laments are going to be we didn't get some of the deep answers we were hoping for that were hinted at. That, I think, will be the complaint, not, you know – why did we take a, do, a detour to a Vegas planet to social justice warrior my Star Wars for 15 minutes? I, I don't think you're going to get that. All right. Chuck Gregory says, we as fans of Star Wars universe should be thankful that the showrunners of Game of Thrones left their planned trilogy project due to scheduling conflicts. I have no idea. I would defer to you on this. So here's what, here, here, I think I mentioned this a few months ago when it was the hot thing. Um, I did, a, a, I guess you would call it a turbo or remedial course on, on Game of Thrones this, this year with the final season because everyone was talking about it. Now, I, just, I could never get into it long form. I thought it was highly nihilistic. Some episodes, I will say, and, and, and I thought particularly the, er, the first two seasons, um, you know, I, I probably could watch, get through an episode in about five minutes. I thought a lot of it was just um, Skinamax skin with Lord of the Rings costume design. Now, I did notice, and again, you, you, you were much more into this than me, okay? Is, 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 let me stop right there. Is that at least a somewhat fair criticism? There's, Does it have any merit at all in your view? It's undeniably true that... Okay. The way to draw a fanboy in, particularly early on, is to have a Skinamax aspect to it, and that was there. They also, part of the tawdry and the darkness in it is also along the lines of something else you hate, the the Revenant. They mm-hmm. used it to get you to really feel and orient yourself to some level of desperation or decadence. It wasn't, it wasn't always just pure titillation, but... Yes, that was there. For and then sure. I, I thought the middle seasons they got away from a lot of that, and there was some, there was some, there was every couple of episodes I thought some phenomenal storytelling in there that made it harder for me to just frivolously go through. And not having been in, how long was the show on? Like six or seven years? Is that how many years it was on? Yeah, six, yeah, six seasons. Okay, so six years. So not being as emotionally invested in it as people like you were. Um, I could see why you were desperately disappointed in the finale. A lot of people were because it, it, it seemed like it went out of its way not to serve it, serve its fans. And then, and then, and in many respects, the final episode was more of an epilogue because really the final episode is the, what's that dude's name? Um, the blue guy, the, um, the night King, right? That was his name. That battle scene in many respects plays like a finale. 
Um, and a lot of the show was kind of built up around the mystery of this Thanos-like mm-hmm. character, right? And so in, in many respects, that kind of was the finale of the show and the and, and the way they treated the next couple of, the last couple of episodes after that were almost like epilogue episodes. Um, I think they never really quite knew what to do. They, they thought they were creating almost a Phantom Menace situation where the the Targaryen, that's the family name, right? Mm-hmm. The blonde chick, what's her name? The yeah. dragon yeah. Queen, right? Yeah. Can't believe I can remember Khaleesi. some of stuff. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the other name. I think they were trying to set up that, that it really wasn't the Night King, but she was the real villain all along. And she ends up fulfilling the destiny of her fam of her crazed dad and going nuts, right? And her dragons start laying waste to the main town with their that's like the county sure. seat or the city yeah, hall. Even town. I can't remember all the okay. names anymore and who was They pulled it off very poorly. It was way too rushed. Yep. Um even one more episode of that show, I think, would have made it much better and given it more time to simmer because she was she was portrayed sympathetically throughout the entire show. And then like and then and then after five years of being sympathetic, really six, because she was sympathetic all till the very end. And suddenly now she, you know, Dr. Jekyll, doc, you know, Dr. Jekyll drinks the poison at the end and becomes Mr. Hyde. I don't know. I thought it was really pulled off weak. And. They had already announced that they were going to do a Star Wars trilogy by the time we got to this final season. And that was the other reason I was kind of interested, not just because all you guys were talking about it, but I wanted to see where they might go with it. I didn't see the match really at all. And so I I, I don't know that what, what the, who they'll go get instead will be better, but I didn't really see them as a, as a match. Oh, well, I think you're the except. I think all kinds of people saw them as a match, just like I see J.J. Abrams. As a match, yeah, they got that last season uh, wrong, but it's when you set such a high bar for themselves, and we go back to talking about Seinfeld. Like a lot of people did not like the final Seinfeld Feld episode. It it it's not terrible, but you just set you 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 think that this has to be a religious experience and the things that you love, and to to get there, there's you, you, not everybody's. I mean, Lost I think is brilliant. A lot of people disagree. Uh, you people think maybe perhaps the most perfect one ever won is breaking um bad but it's really really hard so even as frustrating as it was i can allow it but maybe they think they've lost that that feeling of a lack of confidence that they may have along with what's going on in the star wars universe in general maybe it felt i i don't believe you don't schedule your conflict schedule yourself out of star wars if you really want star wars i think they're just probably doubting themselves a little bit here's why i disagree with you okay because and, and and I should probably clarify this from the outset, because of my belief of where Star Wars needs to go cinematically in the future. I, I think Disney Plus will have tons of great Star Wars content mining the Star Wars saga as we have known it with subplots like The Mandalorian, like what happened with Vader in those off years, what happened with Ben Kenobi in those off years. And I think they'll mine that for years of worthwhile content we'll greatly enjoy. But cinematically, what's the they have got to think, what is a potentially larger, bigger story than the one we just told? And to me, it's not going forward. It's going, it's going backwards. All right. The origins of the force, the origins of the Sith. All right. And one of the things that I think they did a really poor job of in this entire series, you never, unless I'm missing, because I, like I said, I, the whole episodes I didn't watch, I fast forward and skip through quite a few of them. You don't know, but you never, the, 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 who the Night King is and where he comes from, no, they I never used, really answer any of that stuff. No, they answered all of it. They did answer all they of did. that. They okay. just didn't. Okay, I missed they it. Did it. My bad. They did it, but 
it what it kind of came at you all at once in a couple episodes okay. there. So they threw it all together like Lucas did at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Well, He's like, holy crap, I got to get all these great scenes no, in the see, last 10 minutes and let's do this. I think most, and it goes to the books too. So I don't know how drawn out it is in the books, but I found it interesting and I've never read the books. So, and I don't know that anybody had huge compl- I mean really people see if I'm I'm if I'm if I'm Disney I'm looking for someone who has a track record of telling a foundational story because that's the story we really don't have okay is the is the is I I'm I want to I I want to go back and do the old testament before George Lucas shows up oh yeah to, to give us right. the Star Wars gospels that that's the story I want to I want to tell okay and I and so I'm looking for somebody cinematically who can who has proven they can do a foundational you know, or tale on on that of that magnitude, and set the stage for a couple of decades of of of, of those sorts of, of movies. That's where I would go anyway. All right, moving on. Mike Don Arrington says a room full of monkeys with typewriters through evolution could produce a better music list than Rolling Stone. I'm going to sell because I think they wouldn't actually even need any evolutionary process. I think just putting the mi- the monkeys in front of a typewriter and telling them that, that, that just letting them type by, monkey, yeah, instinct do whatever they would like would produce a better in, uh, list than most Rolling Stone lists. So I think Don was his name, correct? Yep. I think Micah. Don. Yeah, Mike. I'm sorry, Micah. I think that uh, you're aiming too high. So sell. Yeah, that. All right, Matthew Shoon says Minnesota finishes the season ranked ahead of Iowa and Wisconsin. Now he said ranked ahead of them. Um, sell. It won't be both. That I'll, I'll agree that it probably won't be both, so I'll sell. Yeah, yeah. Now it depends. Do you think they can beat Penn State at home in a couple of weeks? I don't. I, then buy if, 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 if buy. they because if they do that, then it's a definite buy. Because yep. even if they just split those games, it's a definite buy. Yeah, that's what made me gave me cause for pause. Blues won the Stanley Cup. Says there will be only two conferences representative uh, represented in this year's college football playoff: Big Ten and SEC. Sell. So, I mean, Clemson's not going to lose a game, and they will be in. Uh, I do think the Big Ten will have one team. And. Michigan beating Notre Dame is very good news for the Big Ten. It gives them a, a re, their their real only strong non conference win, unless you count Cincinnati, who is ranked. But it but it also sets up a scenario where Michigan could be ranked high enough that let's say Ohio State were to clinch the division against Penn State the week before and then get upset the next week at Michigan, that would not be as perceived as bad of a loss, yeah. okay, as it might have been a couple of weeks ago. So the Big Ten has margin now that it didn't have before. The ACC's a lock to get a team in because Clemson's not going to lose. And I think the SEC is going to get two teams in. It's just a matter of what the combination is. Is it Alabama, LSU? Is it LSU uh, and, and, you know, and, and a team that... You, you take the four teams, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and I I think two of those teams get into the playoffs. Just a matter of which two. His other conference is the Big Twelve, Big Ten. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, and Big I agree with ruling SEC. out the Big, Big Twelve. I think that was a that was okay. I, that was a, that was a devastating yes, loss Oklahoma had yeah. for the. I, they need a lot of help right now. But I, I agree with that. So yeah. All right, uh, Martin Parks says conservatism would have been better off if if Hillary had been elected. I, I think this requires a longer form conversation than a buy seller hold. Because the amount of game theories and extrapolations, um, because you got to weigh, you have to weigh the affirmative things Trump has done that we have noted on the show, and then you have to weigh those with, you know, the clear and present danger of that Hillary would present, and how we would capitalize on those opportunities. You see what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. I, I think that 
I'm, so I'm going to sell that I, I don't because I I think that the the guy sending that believes this is a fairly simple calculation and I don't think it's simple whatsoever. So doesn't mean doesn't mean I wouldn't end up with his answer at the end, but I don't think it's it's as simple that we can just nail that down like that. So I'm I'm going to sell. I'm selling as well for a different reason. I've riffed on it for a while now, and it was particularly awkward when we were called conservative review and not the blaze, but only because I. The principles for conservatism are enduring. They're not particular to a time. But in terms of a package, a label, I've long thought that word just might have run out of time. I'm glad you said that because here's the reality, and this goes back to what I wrote here in Truth Bombs. Um, I don't believe Donald Trump is hurting conservatism at all. I think— I think what the conservative, the state of the conservative movement allowed someone like him to take advantage Correct. of it in the first place. So maybe I'm going to sell on the merit now, not just the process of that question. So sell. Now time for one more We're before one double last dipping week. here. Uh, Blues yep. won the Stanley Cup. Another one. Uh, Joe Buck is a good sports. I, I agree. I don't. I don't. I, don't I really don't get the, don't hate. Get the hate. I don't. I don't. I, I'm, I'm a total buy. Buy. I don't get it at all. Yeah. And, the, and the call last night was correct. By the way. You guys are all wrong about that. All I care is that the final score was correct. I don't really care about what happened in between. Final score was correct. That's the score I needed. So Nats 22 to 1 is alive at least one more night tonight, baby. Keep hope alive. All the way to, keep hope alive. All the way to the very end, indeed. Hey, if you're one of the millions of Americans struggling with chronic pain, this is pain as a result of inflammation in the body. Relief might just be one web click away. When you go to relieffactor.com and get the starter kit for three weeks, they're so confident in this product, they offer it to you for a dollar a day. That's why it's called the starter kit to get you started, to see, do you see progress here? Do you see improvement against inflammation and chronic pain in your body? They're so confident in their product that they offer it to you way below cost, believing you're going to see those results. And that's why you're going to come back. And I can tell you from my own experience, I can testify that this product is phenomenal. 100% drug-free, even though it's created by physicians who can prescribe drugs, who understand your body's not a machine, it's a created living organism, and it was made to push back against inflammation, and the natural formula with Relief Factor helps the body to naturally do that. All right, you want to give it a shot? Go to relieffactor.com. Get the starter kit right now at relieffactor.com. What do you have to lose for 20 bucks, a dollar a day for three weeks, except maybe finally, hopefully the pain at relieffactor.com. Final thoughts, gentlemen, we got about a minute or so left. What do you think? Um, yeah, go ahead, Todd. Uh, yeah, it's, we were talking a little bit. It's interesting. The common sense notion of what it catches in football, what pass interferences, Aaron and I were talking about this a little earlier, usually turns out to be true, which is why we're frustrated with instant replay. Last night, nobody knows the rules of baseball. They just don't. How about the fact MLB doesn't know its own rules? Yeah, because there was a five-minute break, play. and they made it look like they were reviewing oh. the play, and they had, it was because they had to look up whether it was even a reviewable play. They don't even know their own rules. It was brutal. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah, uh, I would say uh, wh- whatever happens tonight, just enjoy it, even though it's going to be. I was going to, I also said this to Todd as well. Uh, you know, one, enjoy it because it's Americana, baseball, world, it's super cool. I also, if the if the Nationals win tonight, that's going to be like the, the biggest kind of. That's going to be super cool too. <laughs> well, yeah, well, for you, yeah, but it's going to be really weird because like one of the coolest things in sports is hearing a home crowd cheer on that final pitch to win the World Series. And that you don't get that every year, but that you're never going to have that in this World Series if the Nationals win. The home crowd is going to be disappointed every single day. But 
Um, that's that's not, I, I mean that's all I have to say. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. We're going to stick around and do a little overtime on economics, free markets, capitalism. What are those? What are those? We're going to discuss that here at blazetv.com. For the rest of you, see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. 